0: Welcome to NeuroEd Health. We are so glad that you are tuned in today, wherever you are tuning in from, be that the United States, Germany, thank you Spain for continuing to watch, and Norway as well. We are so excited that um, the body of Christ is not confined to one location, um, but you are a testament to just how big our God is. And so as you are tuning in and you are listening from wherever you are from, um, just know that before we dive in today, I want to honor missionaries. So there are some missionaries from Spain um, who have been tuning into our broadcast. And we just want to tell you um, from my on-site crew to you, thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. It often goes unnoticed, but it does not go unnoticed in the kingdom. And so for every missionary that is out there, we bless you. We thank you um, for doing um, the work of God. And we just spur you on uh, in Jesus' name. Okay, so we are continuing with overcoming the poverty mindset. This is part two in the series. So if you missed um, the first part of our series, which was Detox Your Brain, you can go back and you can listen to the podcasts that talk about this. But as a reminder, every podcast is a standalone broadcast. So don't feel like you have to wait. Um, If you miss one, um, you can always go back and listen. But each one is a standalone. What God is saying in this now moment for you. This is part two, but it is independent of part one. Okay. So overcoming poverty mentality, as we talked about that last week, I'm going to do a very quick recap. So as we talked about that, we were discovering some symptoms of having a poverty mindset and how that can even impact choices that you're making regarding your nutrition. But it's not just limited to physical nutrition. You see, nutrition is whatever we need to fuel us forward and to sustain us. And so for you, that may not look like the food on your plate. It may look like um, your marriage. It may look like your um, time as a parent. It may look like if you are in business or ministry, whatever it is he's called you to. Um, So it is time to break the poverty mindset once and for all. We discovered last week that that mindset is really um, an influence that can be over your entire life that determines behaviors and choices that you are making. And anything that is influencing you that is not of God needs to be broken and bow its knee in the name of Jesus. And so that's what we are doing with this overcoming poverty mindset. Okay. So for all of you who don't know, um, as much as I'm a scientist, I am also an artist. And so um, I was a dancer and also I, I do a little bit of visual art as well. So I want to start today by talking to you about something that is crucial that every artist, every visual artist must know. And it's this word called perspective. So if you are taking notes, I want you to put that word really big and bold at the top of your page or the the top of your phone, wherever you're taking notes. And I want you to just take a look at that word perspective. So I'm going to be quiet for just a moment while you figure out what that word means. So if you're thinking about that word perspective, go ahead and write down what comes to mind when you hear the word perspective. If you're driving in your car, don't do that. Come back and do it later. Okay, so let me give you a definition of what perspective means in terms of art. Okay, so perspective is actually a technique. And when you're taking a new artist, if you want to see them go from more of an um from an elementary type of drawing into to more realistic the thing that you need to hone in on is perspective so i used to teach this art class to um, kids who were between the age of 10 and 15 and they had an immense love for art and it was just kind of a place where we gathered together We would just hang out and we would learn something new about the creative process. But for weeks on end, and really I should say months on end, I honed in on perspective. And we did one-point perspective, two-point perspective, three-point perspective, and all of these different ways of looking at the same object. And so I had a child one day, she asked me, "Miss Tamara? When are we going to get off of perspective? And another child, you know, when kids get together, um, they are often the ones who are teaching and you're just there to kind of observe. And so this other child said, we can never get off of perspective because perspective is everything. And I said, I'm going to take that one to the bank. Perspective is everything. So in art, it's a technique for creating this idea of depth and space. Um, We take what is a two dimensional, like on a flat surface and we can make it look three dimensional if we're trained well in perspective. And so it makes what appears to be this um, flat image have form and dimension. I hope you are hearing this in the spirit and space it creates um, a realistic view of what is really going on. So let's say that you are going to make, um, create a picture of a vase. And so you can just draw the outline. You can even color it and shade it. And, and someone might look at it and they go, wow, that looks great. But they'll never think that, wow, I, I, it looks like I can reach out and grab it and put flowers in it. And so what you have to do in order to do that is it's kind of a trick of the eye. And you have to use things like shading. And and in art, we call that value. And so we add value to something where it looks like, you know, if you've seen those pictures where it looks like it's standing upright. And so it's all about the way that you're looking at something, whether, whether you're looking at something from above or you're looking at something from an angle Or if you're looking at something that looks like it appears to be in the distance. And so it's all these little tricks that you can use to change what people are actually seeing. And you know, in the spirit, it's no different. You see, we are on this earth, but there's a reason that the Lord says that we are in it, but we're not of it. In other words, that we're living a 2 dimensional life as long as our eyes are fixed on what is around us but if you really want to see something and if you want to see it from all angles the best perspective is the aerial perspective it allows you and you know that you know like you're looking on google and and you just click on that that satellite view and you go wow look at Look at what is all around this. Look at what is beside it. Look at the angles. Look at—you can see it all. Um, I know that when you're, if you are shopping for a home, um, the tendency is like, well, let me see this property. And if you are just like looking at a photo on on a screen, it's not the same as when you rise above it and you're like, wow that's a pretty good amount of property. And look at all the trees and look at that body of water. This is a valuable piece of land. But if you are just looking straight at the screen, you may not see all of that. And so if you really want to know what's going on, you have to come up higher. You know, in Revelation, I often say this to people, but in the book of Revelation, the Lord encourages us to come up here not so we can just be beside him although that is ultimately his goal is communion with us he encourages us to come up here so that we can see what is really taking place if you don't know what is really taking place you cannot make an informed decision it's kind of like if you're going to buy oceanfront property in arizona It just isn't going to happen. And for all of my country music fans, I hope you caught the reference. So oceanfront property in Arizona is not a thing. But, you know, you might have a person who like puts this property online and then it looks like there's a body of water and it it looks like, ooh, that's relaxing. I can sit on the beach. Guess what? There is no beach in Arizona. It's desert. But you don't know that until you get a different perspective or maybe apply a little common sense. But a lot of times what goes out the window in times of stress, in times of, and that stress can be emotional or physical or, you know, just even spiritual stress. In times of stress, that's when we lose perspective. And so you might go, wait a minute, as you might often do whenever you're listening to my podcast. What does this have to do with the poverty mindset? So I want to tell you a story that if you grew up around church, or if you've you've been in it for any length of time, you know it very well. We call it the prodigal son. And so I want to share this story with you because it's a story about both the poverty mentality and how they got that way through the perspective that both the older brother and the younger brother had. Okay, so this might be a little lengthy, but I want you to go in scripture and this can be found multiple times in the gospel. And so I want you to actually do a little homework and I want you to find it. And I want you to see the story because one of the things that my husband said is, um, Tamara, time to stop spoon feeding. And I said, what do you mean spoon feeding? And he's like, you know, One of the things that that we are discovering that people have not been trained in is how to search the scriptures for themselves. We've grown up on a diet where we go to church and it's right there on the screen. And I love technology, but then we have a whole generation of people who don't know how to search the scriptures. And see, the reason that's a problem is because when you are having an issue in your life, If you have to go to your pastor or to your women's ministry leader or to whomever to see where the scripture is, then you are in trouble. And so he said, I want you to start by telling them how to find it, but not giving them the address. Because if you are ever going to find a love for the word of God, you have to do it for yourself. No one was ever nourished by what the person sitting next to them was eating. It has to be what you are putting into you. Okay, so I'm just gonna give you a hint. You're gonna look in the gospels. And if you are like, Tamara, I don't even know where to begin. There's this great thing called Google, okay? And so I want you to get into the habit of going, okay, there's nothing wrong with going to Google to find what I need to find. So you're gonna Google the prodigal son. And for those of you who are new to the study of scripture, I'm actually going to spell prodigal to you because my job in the kingdom right now is to train up people who are not eating baby food, but that are eating the meat. Okay. So I am quite aware that you may be new to the study of scripture. So I'm going to spell that word prodigal for you because it's not a a word that we usually use in modern day language. And it's P R O d-i-g-a-l okay so if you already knew that yay for you there is no reward at the end for that but good for you okay so i want you to google prodigal son okay and then what i want you to do is look at it in multiple versions so if you um came from a denomination where you're like oh this is the only one to use i'm going to tell you right now you are missing out because see just like people speak in different ways. And maybe the person who is speaking to you, you're like, I always get what that person is saying. And then you might have another person and they're saying the exact same thing, but they're speaking in a language that you don't really get, that you really can't understand. There's not a problem in hearing the same thing with different methods. And that's all versions are. We make them into more than that. And we want to make all these rules and regulations. What you need to know is very simple. Some are word for word translation from the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. Some are really more of just like, let's get the concept. So you have to know what you are looking at. So don't get your feathers in a ruffle because someone um, is just giving a concept. That's the point of that particular version. And so sometimes we need the word for word in our study time. And sometimes we just need the broader picture. But whatever is speaking to you in the moment, that is the version that you need to be using. And only the Lord can tell you that. No one else can. Okay, so I'm going to read this and it's going to be a little lengthy. And hopefully if you are listening and you're in a place where you can actually Google Prodigal Son, maybe you found the version and the scripture reference for yourself. Okay, now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration. So this is farther on into the story of the prodigal son. This is like towards the end. So he heard the music of celebration and dancing. He called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father, he's throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, saying, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you? performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son. And I've never once disobeyed you. I mean, maybe he was a little full of himself, not once. But anyway, let's continue. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you ever given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends as the son of yours is doing now. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Okay, so I know that was a a little bit of a lengthy passage and we are really going to unpack it. But as a person who is both a patron of the arts and a, um, an artist myself, I thought, you know what? There's no better way than, than to hear this story dramatically. And so um, what we're going to do, there is a church who created this. This did not come from our team. And so I found it and I want to share it with you uh, because I love, love to exalt what God is doing through the arts, because it speaks in a way that many times nothing else can. And so what I want you to do is I want you to hear the intonation, and I want you to hear um, everything that God may be saying to you in this time. So we're just going to take a moment and pause, and then we're going to take a listen.
1: I watched you walk out of our lives that day and I vowed not to let you walk back in. Right and wrong are non-negotiable. You break the rules, you suffer the consequences. That isn't a life built on judgment. It's a life built on reason and rational thought. It's a life that I can understand and control. Some people may call it arrogance. I just call it doing the right thing. I'm just standing by my convictions. So, go ahead. Throw away your self-worth. Ruin your reputation. But don't expect me to pity you. I don't want to be seen with you. You chose to turn away from the truth. Maybe you should think about getting your priorities straight. Because when this is all over, you'll have to answer for what you did. I haven't grown weary of doing good, and it's come with great sacrifice. I have given up worldly pleasures, and I've constantly kept my nose to the grindstone so that I could keep Dad happy. I've run the race without turning to the left or to the right. Your sin unnerves me. You embody everything that I've tried so hard to deny. Lust, greed, foolishness. After all my efforts to be such a good son, you've been the worst son imaginable. You come home with your tail tucked between your legs and think that you can be welcomed back in just because you say you're sorry? I always thought that if you returned home, dad would just send you straight back to the depravity that you left us for. Or at the very least, that he would make you repay him for everything that you did. But when you did show up, Dad welcomed you with open arms, kissed you, even threw you a big party. Isn't this all backwards? Why are you getting all the rewards that I deserve? Dad may still be willing to call you a son, but don't ever expect me to call you a brother. What else can I possibly do to earn my father's love?
0: What else can I do to earn my father's love? So do you see the perspective that the older brother was coming from? You see, symptom number three, if you've been taking notes on overcoming our poverty mindset, here's a symptom for you. You are jealous of people who have more than you have. Okay, so at first glance of your life, you might not go, well, I'm not a jealous person at all. Just like with the older brother, he probably he would have said, what do I have to be jealous of him for? But see, what happens when we take on this perspective, when we are in the seat of the older brother and we're actually jealous because what we're jealous of is the breakthrough that we are seeing in the lives of other people. So let's let's stay with our nutritional goals. This is what it looks like practically. You've got that friend, she's joined the class just like you, and then you know what? In just a couple months, she's dropped 15 pounds. And you can't celebrate. You're like, She is even going out to eat on the weekends, and I'm not even allowing myself to do that. You see, that's a poverty mentality. And it comes from this place that you think someone else's prosperity reduces God's ability to prosper you. And so with the older brother, you see, he had the entire farm but he was so busy trying to earn the father's love. That's religion. That he had to do this and he had to do that. And then it even, he adopted a critical spirit because of it. And he began to look down on others who weren't playing by the rules. You know this is you if you have said, The lines between right and wrong are very clear. And I know that that, what I just said is not popular. And I don't mean the thus saith the Lord. But sometimes we allow our backgrounds and our, our denominational upbringing to determine whether or not someone is in or they're out. And the last time I checked, no man has a heaven or a hell to put anyone in. And so you see, when we adopt that mentality, it's this idea that prospering comes from my own efforts. Translation pride. And last time I checked, scripture says pride comes before the fall. And so it's not very long if you have adopted that mentality. What I want you to do is pray and repent and ask the Lord to show you something different. You see, so many times within the body of Christ, we're supposed to be this hospital for the hurting. And and sometimes we adopt that, but then once someone gets saved, we hold them to a standard that God himself is not even holding them to. And it comes from this idea that love must be earned. If you've ever found yourself going, I don't understand. I did all the right things. I didn't cuss. I didn't chew. I didn't run with boys who do. Y'all heard that phrase. And you you think somehow that that is how you get the Father's love. And then you equate that to to where your status is in life. These people have a lot of money, so they've checked the boxes and they've done what's right. I'm struggling financially, so I must have done something wrong. That is older brother mentality. Love cannot be earned. Love was freely given. When we try to see God with human eyes, we cannot possibly understand our world. You see, because that's the wrong perspective. Everything falls flat when we try to do that. We become this two-dimensional drawing without realism and depth to it because we have the wrong perspective. So what I love about that story is we often will focus on what was the older one doing? What was the younger one doing? What this is really a story about the father. And we and we take on these perspectives that simply aren't the clearest ones. And if you didn't know it, newsflash, it's always about him. Your whole life is a story. It's called history, his story for a reason. Because it's about His glory. And you might come from from this poverty mentality that says, well, that's selfish. But But that's a lack of understanding. If it's about His glory, it's about your good because that is the character and the nature of our God. So the brothers, they didn't just have a misunderstanding of their position. It was a misunderstanding of who the Father is. So the only way that the older brother began to adopt that poverty mindset that, that was wrapped in jealousy is he had no idea who his father is. And sometimes you are persisting in this place of poverty because you have a lack of understanding of who your father is. And what you've done is if you've taken your earthly father, And maybe he was great and he was amazing. I I see that a lot of times with people who grew up in Christian homes and they had this really great dad. And so they they take this, this idea of who father is and they overlay it over their heavenly father. And guess what? Even if you had the most amazing dad on the face of the earth, he will fall short of everything that God is. And then sometimes people had a hard childhood and they had a father who was abusive, or a father who was absent, and then they take that and they overlay it on who their heavenly father is, and you still fall short. So either side of the spectrum, you will fall flat if you do not have the right perspective. And see, the way of having the right perspective of who God is is found in his word. And it's found in creation. You see, Romans chapter 1 tells us that what may be known about God has been plain to, has been made plain to us. You see, he's speaking all the time. But what we are doing is we're not hearing from him. We are taking nourishment that someone else has, and we're taking it as our own, and we wonder why we're confused. You have the wrong perspective. So this idea that love must be earned, did you hear um, in, the, in the dramatic interpretation, all of the things he said, he may welcome you as, as his son, but you will never be my brother. And in the church, we have done that time and time again, drawing lines about who our brother is. You do not have the ability to say who is in or out of the family, only the Lord does. See, it's a gross misinterpretation of what love actually is. Love is not earned. He says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so if you're struggling with nutritional goals, I'm gonna tell you something that that you can't find on a weight loss program, that you can't find at the gym. I'm gonna tell you what I think you really need to hear. Your efforts are worthless, and they are in vain. And you might go, no, wait a minute, Tamara, wait a minute, because I I have to have some responsibility. We're not supposed to just be so lackadaisical and and just let things happen to us. Really, Is, is that because you just want to be in control? Your righteousness, did you hear in the dramatic interpretation? He was saying, this was a life that I can control. This was a life that I understood the rules and the regulations. But see, when you press in to the Father, when you press in and and you you foster intimacy, then He's going to tell you what you need to eat. You see, poverty mentality, the, the thing that it comes against is trust. And so you want you want me to partner with you and go all right so you need to have one hard boiled egg and a glass of water and three pistachios and make sure that they're flavored this way that's what you want for me you're not going to get it because the only thing that is going to lead you into a life of health be that mental health physical health spiritual health the only thing that will get you there is you are going to feed yourself. You must feast on what the Father is saying, both in his word and then what he is saying to you every step of the way. Because see, he created you. He knows you inside and out in a way that I, no medical professional, no nutritional uh, professional, no guy at the gym who's supposed to be your personal trainer, they are simply tools in the hands of an almighty God. But see, what we often do is we want to focus on the tool. And we don't focus on the one who has the tool. You see, if we just look at the hammer, no work will get done. It takes the carpenter to pick up that hammer to craft whatever it is that is to be built. So stop putting all your focus on the tools. I can tell you just about any nutritional program that is sound, can get you to where you need to go if you're listening to the Holy Spirit. When we started in season one, we started with um, a group of, of, of people in our on-site crew, and we didn't know what we were doing. For those of you who were with us in season one, isn't that right? We had no idea. We just were starting on this thing together together. And, and we started with like, okay, here's all the vitamins, here's all the nutrients that we need. And if you are a part of this class, you can go back and you can have access because, because that information is good. But then what we noticed as we went through the weeks is that information became revelation as we pulled out a chair for Jesus at the table. And so he began, he began to instruct You know, one person who's in New Hampshire and another one in Florida. And they're at different different sides of the spectrum um, as far as life is concerned. And then um, we had from silver hair to four-year-old mothers. We had um, people who began to experience God doing a work. And you see, we forgot along the way that we had these lofty goals. And we just began to press into all that God has. You see, all that God has is, is not just what He has for you spiritually. He says, I, I want my people to prosper and be in good health. And that means every kind of health. But as long as you are looking from the wrong perspective, this idea that love must be earned, This idea that there are all these rules and regulations to the goals that God has. And you look down on people because, well, she is having some sugar. And sugar is horrible. And you begin to look down on people. And then sometimes people swing from one side to the other. You know, they're like, oh, you shouldn't put any restrictions on your life. And then you have the others who are like, you should put every kind of restriction. You know what? You have to do what God is telling you to do. And many of the reasons that you're confused is because you simply aren't listening, because he is not, nor has he ever been, a god of confusion. Okay, so we've been talking about the older brother's perspective and this idea of symptom number three that you're jealous of people who have more than you have. But if you were taking notes, this is symptom number four of the poverty mentality. And it's the idea that you find a problem with every opportunity i'm going to say that again you find a problem with every opportunity and you are terrified of taking risks okay so that doesn't necessarily mean what's on your plate that means your relationships that means in your workplace it's like someone says oh this this idea came up, what do you think? And, and you are known, you're negative Nelly. You're going to find the flaw. You're going to find what is wrong in the plan. That is a symptom of poverty mentality. And you know where it comes from? It comes from the idea that you don't know that God wants to bless you. And you don't feel worthy of his abundance. That's the root of it. So for all of you who come from a background where where you're searching for the root cause, there it is. You don't have to search. It's this idea that God cannot and doesn't have a desire to bless you. And so this is where the younger son's perspective comes in. So older brother, love must be earned. Younger brother, love is uncertain. And so I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think, have you found yourself in either of those camps? This idea that, that there's this, these rules and regulations, this almost Pharisee kind of mentality of 630 plus laws that need to be checked off. Love must be earned. But love is uncertain is just as dangerous of a perspective. It's the wrong one too you will fall flat. If you think, well, if you said anything like this, well, th- th- it's just my genetics. It is what it is. My mother was overweight. My grandmother was overweight. And even my next door neighbor was overweight. And somehow that has something to do with me. And so you, you find yourself taking on the weight That was never yours to carry. And I mean that both physically and figuratively. So you take on the weight because you have no idea what Jesus actually did on the cross for you. You see, you don't come from from the, the Smith bloodline or the whatever your last name is, Jones bloodline, wherever you're coming from. You don't come from that bloodline. Either you are a new creation in Christ or you are not. And so sometimes we get so focused and the hunting down and like writing down all the things. My great-great-grandma did this and so now I'm bearing it. No, see, that's a curse. And when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the curse. And so if you are living in that, you are only living in that by choice. You can step over into a new family line. But see, that was where the younger son, he was out in the fields trying to to just eat even what the pigs were eating. And he began to rehearse all the reasons why he was not worthy to sit at the table. But see, both brothers, I'm going to say it again. It wasn't just a misunderstanding of their position. It was a misunderstanding of who the father is. And I think we, as the body of Christ, it is time for us to know our father. We don't know his voice because we haven't taken the time to to draw away and to listen to what the spirit of God is saying to the church. And it's time for us to to stop, you know, I love classes. Obviously we are in one right now, but it's time for us to stop, stop running to the next class and the next formula and the next worship song And all of those things, they're tools in the hands of a loving God. But it is the loving God that you are to focus on, not the tools. And so if you are wanting to break the poverty mindset so it doesn't show up in what either you're you're consuming or not consuming, if you want to do that, then you have to get a God's perspective. God of all universe, the only one there is, you have to get his perspective on your life. You got to hear what he's saying about your marriage because maybe your eating problems is not an eating problem at all and it's a marital problem. Oh, yes, I went there. And maybe the whole reason that you are overeating is because you are stressed beyond measure. Don't fix the plate. Fix what's happening in your relationship. And the only one who can do that is God himself. Maybe your binging on things that are unhealthy have nothing to do with you having a sweet tooth and everything to do with the fact that you are constantly procrastinating and not doing the things that God has called you into. But you see, you can sit on a the therapist's couch for the rest of your days Or you can sit at the feet of the King of Kings. And in one word, he can change your life. I love resources, obviously in our practice. I'm here to be a resource. But I am simply a tool. My job is to point you to what God is saying to you. And oh, we're going to use every tool we can. We use labs, we use... um, all kinds of neurotech devices. I can hook you up to anything that you want or anything that I think you should have. But the idea, that's not the end result. The idea is to point you towards heaven so that you get an aerial view. I don't like to keep people in my practice on and on. You know, I have colleagues who are like, yeah, I've been seeing this lady for the past 10 years. And I go, what? What? And she's not better. You got to close your doors. But see, God wants to move you from glory to glory to glory, not from trauma situation to trauma situation and trauma situation. He wants it done because it was finished on the cross. He wants you well. He wants you whole and not for yourself. You see, that was the final thing. That the brothers misunderstood. Because, see, as they were understanding their position and they had the wrong perspective, the problem is they both were so inwardly focused. And that is the danger in the poverty mentality. It gets you consumed with self. It's a me, me, me. And really, if you will just turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. I have quoted this hymn time and time again, but I think it's a now word for the church. So if you're not familiar with that hymn, it says, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. It means they're not going to bother you anymore. Mother, who's worried about that son, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Daughter, who doesn't know how to relate to her father, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Wife, husband, who don't know how to communicate with each other, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because see, when he shows up on the scene, love shows up on the scene. And it cannot be earned. And it is not uncertain. It is simply a gift. So that you can become all that he intended you to be at the beginning of time. And that's one word. So for you who who just went into this vision casting and you were like, he intended for me to be a real estate agent. He intended for me to have a mom or be a mom of eight kids, whatever it is. You see, the only thing that he intended for you to do was to belong to him, that you are his. And see, whether you are a mom, a nurse, a student, a father, You see, it all must flow from the right perspective, from top down, and it's the fact that you belong to him. And once you begin to understand that, the chains of poverty will break. And you'll see things like you've never seen them before. You'll go to that refrigerator, and I guarantee you this, you'll begin to desire and crave that which will fuel you. And then you'll go, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to have the chocolate cake right now. And then for those of you who have led such a restrictive lifestyle, you'll go to the refrigerator and he'll say to you, eat the cake. You see, because it's not about checking things off the list. It's about hearing from God in every single area of our lives. He loves you and he wants you to know that. And his love is freely given, but it came at the cost of his own dear son. And so the only thing that you need to do, and for those of you who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it isn't complicated. You just have to receive him. You have to say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth to take the penalty for everything that I would experience. And that curse is broken in Jesus' name. If we can be of help to you, If you need resources, tools, we'll be happy to walk it out with you. But we will not stand in the place of God for you. And so my hope and my prayer for you as you go about the rest of this week is that you will listen to Jesus. And he may prompt you to call someone. There's no condemnation if that's what he is telling you to do. And so what he wants us to do is he wants us to be a body and he wants us to be a community. Because we're the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. But you need to listen to him. And so, what I want to leave you with as, as we close today, I want to leave you with this that he is enough and the never enough mentality is broken. And if you begin to see yourself like Jesus sees you, then everything else in your life is going to begin to line up. And it may not happen overnight. But that's where patience comes in. You don't have to rush. He's right there walking it out step by step with you. And so thank you for tuning into our broadcast. We love you. We pray for you all the time. Um, We bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on NeuroEd Health.